coming up on The Dr. John Deloney Show. I've been having some really annoying dreams regarding my mother-in-law. Personal relationships kind of dream, you know. Yeah. Awkward. That may be the understatement of planet Earth. I mean, it was awkward. You're going to have to make a decision that I don't want this in my head anymore. What in the world is going on? This is John with the Dr. John Deloney Show. Greatest mental health and marriage and parenting show ever, ever recorded. Says my mom. Hey, listen, I'm so glad that you're here. On this show, we talk about mental health. We talk about marriage. We talk about parenting. We talk about all a bunch of hard stuff. Real challenges that real people are going through. These are your neighbors. These are the people sit by you at church. These are the people that work with you. These are you. Real people struggle with real stuff. And it could be mental health. It could be emotional health. It could be about your marriage, your relationships falling apart. It could be about the wildest situations imaginable. My promise here is that I'll pull up a seat next to you and I'll sit with you and we'll figure out what to do next. If you want to be on the show, give me a buzz at 1-844-693-3291. It's 1-844-693-3291 or go to johndeloney.com slash ask. A-S-K. And by the way, if you send me a long DM, if you slide into my DMs, I'm going to say that all, if you slide into my DMs and you send me a long like um, direct message about like what's going on, I'm not going to answer it. I don't answer any questions like that on, on social media. Only um, johndeloney.com slash ask or 1-844-693-3291. Um, so if you want to be on the show, give me a buzz or write into the show and we'll have you on. Um, today is a special show. We have added a jillion new listeners. Like an unfathomable amount of listeners. Um, every month we keep getting these scores where it's the greatest month ever. And then it's followed by the greatest month ever. And it's the greatest month ever. And we're so excited to have so many new people it's such an honor that you guys are walking with us and giving us your most precious resource, which is, which is your time. And so in honor of all the new listeners and for those of y'all who have been OGs with us, right? The OG 17, the original 17 listeners who just hung in there and hung in there and hung in there. We're doing a very special greatest hits episode. We're going all the way back to 2021 with some of the wildest, um, a little bit Jerry Springer-ish calls. To A, if you were if you were with us in 2021, a couple of years ago, you'll be like, oh gosh, I remember this call. I forgot all about this call. And if you're new, you'll be able to go, whoa, whoa. Like, wait if they see my whoa. And they're going to have different show graphics. Um, I'll probably be wearing different things. My hair will look ridiculous. But these are some of our greatest hits from 2021. Stay with us. Check it out. All right, let's go to... Mark in Los Angeles, California. What is up, Mark? Hi there, Dr. Looney. Thanks for having me. What's up, man? How are you? I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm doing good. So how can I help, man? So recently, um, I found out that a few years before meeting my wife, uh, she was working as an escort, and she had kept this a secret from me. And I can understand why she didn't want me knowing about it. She told me she hated it. It's something she was ashamed of, maybe a little traumatized by it. Uh, she did it for the money. She had debt. 
And eventually she got addicted to the lifestyle and continued to do it. And now we're married and we're expecting a baby. And I love my wife and I want to accept it and move on. But, uh, you know, it's kind of a tough pill to swallow. And I'm not even really sure how I should feel about it. And I'm just wondering how I can move forward without that image of the past tainting our relationship and getting in the way of our marriage. Whew. That's a lot, brother. That is a lot. Thanks for sharing that. How long have you been married? Uh, only a couple months. Uh, only a few months, huh? And how far along is little baby? Uh, about 25 weeks. 25 weeks. Wow, okay. Is it becoming real yet? You're about to be a dad? Yeah, it's uh, definitely real, but I'm excited for it. That's awesome, man. Whew. Okay, so you said you don't know how to feel, what you should feel about this. So tell me, what do you right. feel about this? Be honest as you can. Uh, don't lie to me or yourself or to the 17 or 18 listeners of this show. I think the first thing I felt was nah, 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 nah. Don't Don't start with, I think, how do you feel? I feel lied to, deceived. Okay. Uh, maybe jealous. Okay. Hurt. Angry. Yeah. What else? Uh, I think I, I'm sorry. I feel it's definitely gotten the way of my trust. <laughs> yeah, you think? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What else? I don't know. I think there's just so many different things going in my mind. I don't know where to even begin. So just begin. Don't overthink it. Yeah. I'm saying just begin. You're angry. You're pissed off. You're heartbroken. You're just sad. What yeah, kept, what kept a, you from just what kept you from just packing up and walking out the door? Most of us, the story we would tell ourselves is if one day our wife sat down and said, "BT Dubs, I was an escort before we um, got married, but it's all good now." Pass the syrup. We would the story we tell ourselves that we'd be like, "I'm out of there, bro. I'm out of." There. You didn't do that. How come? Uh, I love her. I mean, you've had a good relationship so far. Not the best. It's had its rocky points, but... Well, it was built on you know, lies. This... <laughs> it was... Yeah. You, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I would imagine. It's like saying, man, yeah, the, the... the Our boat trip was pretty rocky. And it's like, yeah, there's big holes in that boat. Full of water. You can see that. Um, how, yeah. long you, how long did y'all date before you got married? Uh, it's been about a year now. Okay. And so, so you love her. You've known her for about a year. You got married. You're having a baby. What do you want to do? I I want to make this relationship work. This is something in her past, and I don't really have a reason not to 
I don't really have a reason to believe it was something that has happened since we've been together. And she's been good to me. And I want to take care of the family. Is she in on this too? Yeah, she's in 100%. How'd you find out? So when we got married, we had uh, our own hard drives, like our own files on our computers, and we put them onto one. And so just one day I was going through and I found some old photos and uh, like messages from the agencies. What was that feeling like? It was uh, like my heart sank. Yeah, that's when you can feel your organs fall out of the bottom of your, you know, when you just sit there and your stomach drops. So, so, so. I, I found out and then I, I asked her about it that night and she was a little hesitant. She didn't want to talk about it, but uh, since then she's been completely honest as far as I'm, as I know. Okay. And I think the key here is as far as you know, okay? So here's the reality of your situation. And it sounds sensational, right? Most of us don't wake up and uh, the person we married a few months in lets us know or we find out that they used to be um, an escort, right? A prostitute. That, right. Um, that doesn't usually happen. But almost always, not almost always, but often, you wake up and you find things out about your spouse. They had a past. They didn't tell you the full of this. They didn't think to even explain that. They didn't think this was a big deal or whatever that happens to be. So at the end of the day, here's what you're wrestling with. You're wrestling with two things. One, a shattered picture of the woman you just married, the future mother of your kid, and of this... Um, this um, fantasy of marriage that you had, right? And two, you're dealing with a significant violation of trust. So the violation of trust is something you're going to have to lean into, be honest about, and continue to work towards healing, right? And she's going to have to understand that she violated that trust. If you say, I forgive you, if you say, I am fully in and I love you and we are moving forward, then you're not going to be able to beat her up on this deal. You're not going to be able to bring it up when you get mad five years from now. You're going to have moments of insecurity. You're going to have moments of when she's late coming home, and you're going to have to choose to not use those moments as weapons because you said, I forgive you, and you said, I'm all in. And as part of the rebuilding trust process, you're going to be able to say, hey, I'm just checking in. You're late coming home. Everything good. And that she's going to know that part of her rebuilding trust process is being completely open and not getting her feelings hurt when you ask her to check in. Okay? You got a lot of healing right. to do. Right? And that's going to be frustrating and hard and messy. And y'all are going to stumble through that. But if you're both all in, you're both all in. Right? The second part of this is your picture looks all screwed up. Right? She's not who you thought she was. Yeah. Right? We all have a past. Yeah, right. We weren't all prostitutes, but we all have a past, right? <laughs> that just sounded bonkers to even say out loud. 
So what you're going to have to do is sit down and with her and co-create a new picture of what this is going to look like, right? And if you, I'm with you, she's a person of value. She's worthy of being loved too. And if she's put her past behind her and she's moving on in a committed relationship with you and you are the end-all be-all, then she deserves forgiveness and moving on just like anybody else does. But there's a part of me that says you don't trust her yet, that you're not ready to paint a whole new picture with her included in it because she may, right? And so that's going to, that those building a new, painting a new picture together, building a new building and working on that trust is going to be like an infinity signal. It's going to work together. You have to keep working on this, keep working on it. And then brother, you just have to grieve because you got a picture of what was and it's gone now. And now you know something new, right? Scales came off your eyes, and now you got a new new vision of what's what's going forward, and you're going to have to grieve that, man. And just be open about it. And so this is going to be hard, yet the, the things to do are relatively simple. It's going to be getting up every day and remembering to respect her and be kind to her, not weaponize her and love her like she's your wife because she is. Like she's the future mother of your baby, which she is. And it's going to be honest and open about rebuilding trust. So how does that sound? Does that sound like something you want to do, be a part of? Yeah, you're, you're right that uh, that trust is still hard to get back, but I think at this point, uh, she is the future, so I want to do with anything I can. So you mentioned something earlier. You said uh, you were jealous. What does that mean? I, um, just that image of that past work, mm. it's, I think it's getting in the way of the intimacy. Yep. Obviously I wasn't in the picture, mm-hmm. but is just it get- having that thought. Is it getting in the way of your intimacy? The, you're starting to put these images in on loop, replay, replay. How do you measure up? How many were there? Where were they? I wonder if she tried this. Are you going down that road? Yeah, all of that. Yeah. So, hey, listen. There is no fruit in detail mining. If she sat there and gave you a rundown of every single trick she ever turned, if she gave you a rundown and a physical description of every person she was ever with, that wouldn't make you feel better. And this is going to be part of your healing process, which is to let some of that stuff go. And what you're going to have to do is practice, practice controlling your thoughts when you go down those roads. Because what's going to lead you to be highly insecure, highly frustrated, never being able to be in the present moment with her because the moment that one thought pops in your head, I wonder if she with somebody else did this, or I wonder if, I wonder if this could have, then you are officially not present anymore, and you are somewhere in her imagined past. Right? Right. And so you're going to have to work hard that when that image pops in your head, you say out loud, nope, and you have another image ready to go to, which is probably her staring right back at you. But we have this fantasy that if we just know every detail, all right, good. It's not true. The same thing happened with folks, um, you know, when somebody takes their own life, they want to know why and what happened and all Man, you can learn all that stuff. It never takes away that hurt. It never takes away that that feeling of loss, right? And 
how does she respond when you tell her that you're struggling with things with thoughts of jealousy and your imagination runs wild on you? She's pretty understanding, uh, but it's not something she really enjoys talking about. <laughs> it's gotten a little, little heated. Yeah. And, uh, does it feel good to bring it up? Maybe at first, but I, I don't think it ever ends well. Yeah. You know what it's like? It's like throwing a punch. Feels good. And if it connects solid, brother, man, it feels good for one second. And then you see their look on their face. You see them fall to the ground and your uh, takes over, right? That uh, Don't turn around this whole thing around and you put yourself in some sort of superior position and beat her up with her past. If you say you're all in, you're all in. You got to put your bricks down too, brother. Your bricks of insecurity, your bricks of not enough, your bricks of moral superiority. Well, I never did this. You're right. You didn't. Congratulations. You said I'm all in. Right? Right. So in the same way that you have to rebuild trust with her, she's got to rebuild trust with you slowly but surely. You're going to have to relearn how to trust yourself. You're going to have to relearn how to treat people when you get angry. You're going to have to learn some new behaviors and new skills. Ones that where you don't <sighs> yell and raise your voice and get all high and mighty and superior and yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you don't do any of that. And there's going to be a hard journey for both of you. And it sounds like this is relatively recent that you found out. This grief's going to come in waves. It's going to come in waves, just like the last caller. If y'all are both all in, I have no doubt in my mind y'all can heal from this, grow, and make this a powerful part of your journey. Powerful story. And there's also no doubt in my mind that if at any moment one of you is like, and dips her toe back in the water, this whole boat's going to flip right over. Easy. Over. You get to make that choice, brother. Man, I'm all in on you guys. Good for you. Um, I'm all in. Let me know how it goes. Let me know how those hard conversations go and keep me updated, man. Let us know when the baby's born and we'll keep thinking about y'all and your journey. All right, let's go to Jack in Kansas City, Missouri. Brother Jack, how are we doing, man? Hey, I'm doing great, Dr. D. I really appreciate talking to you. I appreciate you um, calling, man. How can I help this morning? <laughs> well, I need to preface my question with some serious gratitude between you and Dave. I mean, just a huge part of my premarital dating life to prepare us for the realities and uh, manage our expectations for, for marriage. And it just means so much to us. My wife is a huge fan of yours from day one. So it's an honor to talk to you. Well, she joins my mom as you, she doubles my audience. So I'm appreciative of that, Jack. <laughs> so are you newly married? Uh, yeah. Um, a month ago, uh, I'm 52. And a month ago, I married a 49-year-old virgin. Okay. So is this your first marriage? It is my second marriage. Second marriage. Okay. And I'm assuming this is her first marriage? Exactly. Okay. All right. So you're a month in. And you are 52, so you're halfway mm -hmm. home, right? Yep, and yep. Um, I don't know why I always go to talking about death. Sorry about that. But 
Hey, you're Not living cool. your best life at 52. You got remarried, and you married a 49-year-old who's never had sex before. Right. Okay. Right. I'm assuming and that's why you're calling. Yeah, I mean, this is a unique situation. Yeah. So, uh, um, I, I, uh, I feel like we're having some intimacy challenges where we've had some attempts to consummate and with varying degrees of, of success, but, um, there's a lot of fear, hmm. um, of physical intimacy with her. And I just need some tools and knowledge to kind of help because she, um, basically, you know, was single for so long that she just kind of divorced herself from that physical side. Pleasure was a foreign word, I think. Hmm. Um, so, so she's kind of reintegrating, you know, even that language into that part of her life. And, uh, I, I, we knew this going in. Mm -hmm. It's not a surprise. Um, we, we just are going to take our time with it, but I'm just, you know, I'm like, who are you, you, Jack? You're like the greatest guy I've ever met. Cause you know what I was (laughs) expecting? Hey, you know, I was expecting, I was expecting you to say what's wrong with my wife. And you're not, you are asking me, Hey man, how can I grow? How can I learn some stuff? How can I create a safe environment? Brother, I'm telling you right now, if there's more jacks in the world, we don't have all this nonsense, right? So <laughs> you've made my heart feel good, and I, I, I'm just grateful to even be able to talk to you today. Um, just even wow. your patience and your kindness is awesome. So a couple of um, broad, basic questions here. Does your, does your wife have a history of trauma, or is, does she just never find the right person, and virginity was a, was a thing she wanted to hang on to, and then suddenly it turned into late 20s and late 30s, and then suddenly she's almost 50, and then she finds the right guy? Or did she have a history there that she really needed to part ways with intimacy and any sort of vulnerability there? That, that's a great question. Um, she had uh, the only trauma that really uh, played on her ability to uh, form relationships with people was, you know, she poured herself into her work after a death in the family. And that was hugely traumatic for her. Um, And you're right. Time slipped away. Um, The opportunities, I guess, I I hate to use the word dried up. That's such a horrible term, but, um, but the opportunities. Life happened, right? And we, we live in this world where uh, if you don't, if you don't, you know, go to your four-year undergraduate degree and then find somebody and y'all date for 18 and a half months and then get engaged and then get married, or you get your master's degree and then you're 29. And if you don't follow the road, right, there's something wrong with you. Right. And so I don't, and and, yeah. And her purity became part of her identity because I mean, it was obviously her, uh, you know, we wanted to do things according to God's plan and she did her whole life. Hmm. So that combined with everything else just kind of, ended up with her where she's at. So, sure. So, um, I guess my, my meta question is, is she in, interested in this? Does she want to have a great sex life with you and a intimate marriage and a fun, rambunctious, um, no holds barred relationship with you? I can't speak to rambunctious, but I can tell you that, um, she wants a normal, uh, life in that area. Okay. I'm going to tell you, don't settle for normal. Okay. okay. Normal's boring. 
Settle for rambunctious. <laughs> Settle for two people that um, cultivate desire in one another. And yes. so we live in this funky place, and there's several great books you can read on, on just the evolution of marriage. In fact, me and my friend Rachel are going to have a whole event on this coming up in the next few months. Um, but we've traded in the last 30 to 40 years, we've traded safety for intimacy. So you meet somebody and you're attracted to them and your heart races and you can't just wait to make out, right? And you practice safety. Is he going to show up when he says he is? Is she going to return my phone call? Um, That first time one of you gets sick and the other one brings food by, you cultivate safety. And then what happens is you begin to trade. Safety doesn't, is, is butts heads with desire, right? To be crass about it, nobody wants to make out with their mom or their brother, right? Or their, or their sister. That's safe. I know that person. There is no desire there. None, right? Um, but there's right. safety. And then as you, be, as you feel safe with somebody, and y'all two are, you know, 50. You're halfway through life. Y'all understand safety. Y'all understand independence. Y'all understand those things. What they didn't tell us in premarital counseling, what they didn't tell us in grad school, they didn't tell us this at all. And our parents certainly didn't model this because they didn't know is that once you achieve safety, once you have the hard money conversations and the 401 questions and you make a will together, once you feel safety, then, and it usually happens in your 30s and begins in your 40s and 50s especially, you have to practice desire. You've got to cultivate desire as though you are practicing safety early on in your relationship. And it feels weird to practice desire. Because that's not what Romeo and Juliet told us. They said we're just going to walk into a room and be like, oh my gosh, there you are. Ah." Or, you know, Jack and Rose, they didn't, you know, Jack didn't see Rose on the Titanic and be like, what we need to do is to practice intimacy. No, man, they were like making out in some weird car and then they died to get, well, he died because she didn't let him on the door like a sucker. He could have fit on the door. But here's the thing. So they are there. You got to practice it. And it feels weird to put sex on a calendar. It feels weird in your case to be intentional about going slow and saying, hey, we're going to have a relational goal of here. And the moment she feels unsafe, she gets to call it. And then we're out and we're going to go again. And you're going to have to practice patience. And you're going to have to practice um, what I like. It it comes from Emily Nagoski. I'm going to recommend a book for you two guys to read together. Um, But you're going to have to practice turning on all the ons and turning off all the offs. Um, intimacy, especially in a marriage relationship, is so often ecosystem related. It's environmental, right? Here's a good example. My wife um, likes to have all of the dishes done and the kitchen clean before anything else happens in, in the evening. And I became so insecure, I started taking that personally. And I, the, the story I told myself was she would rather have a clean kitchen than hook up with this nice piece of meat, right? <laughs> And I don't know if you can see me right now, Jack. I'm smoking hot, okay? So I just, I got to where I was thinking, I'm not really, but I, I, that's why I do radio. I got to thinking, man, I can't believe that she would trade a clean kitchen over this. And it wasn't until we sat down and had some hard conversations that I realized 
she can't stop judging herself. She can't stop feeling a entire culture that says, if you don't have a kitchen that looks like this, if you don't have a heart that looks like this, if you don't have a period at the end of these sentences, you're not a true wife. You're not a true mom. You're not a true fill in the blank, right? I didn't know all that baggage that comes along, how much it sucks to try to navigate the world as a working professional wife, mother, all that stuff. It's hard. And so, dude, what I decided to do is stop taking it personal. And then I try to clean the kitchen, man. If that's if that's what it is, dude, I've got you on that, right? And it took us having this conversation about what's the environment look like? What are the offs and what are the ons? The book I want you two to read, this is not a faith-based book. Um, you mentioned that y'all are both Christians and you have a, a, a Christian ethic. This is not a Christian book. It's the best book I've ever read when it comes to talking about um, establishing, establish, establishing Good grief, James. We need a dictionary on the show. <laughs> Establishing um, sexual intimacy, right? And so, a blow by the parts that you don't like, but there is an extraordinary discussion. Um, and it's written for women, but it's called Come As You Are by Emily Nagoski. And um, it is exceptional when it comes I've to— I've heard you recommend that book before. I'd recommend y'all both read it together. And it will probably yeah. make her blush. It will probably give her freedom. Here's one of the ultimate um, thesis of that book. Life is too short to not have an incredible sex life. It's just too short. Life is too short to pretend that guys just have a sex drive and girls just have a, a sex drive light. Those are not true. Either of those are not true. They're not real. And so she cuts through a lot of the myths, and then she gives you a lot of tools for how couples can grow together and learn together and um, how women especially can learn these offs and ons and the and the brakes and the gas pedals, which is a different meta, uh, metaphor than drive. It's a great book for you all to read together, but it's going to give you common language, and that's what you all need here. It sounds like, brother, you have a, a heart of safety a heart of go slow. And so what I want to do is give her some tools and give her some permission to don't use the word normal in your house anymore. You got it? Yes. We're not going to be normal. There's nothing normal about y'all too, by the way, right? There's not, you're not a normal (laughs) guy. You're the the heart and compassion you have for your wife. Isn't normal. Um, Her being a 49 year old virgin is not normal. I guess I say not normal. It's not common, right? That's a better word to use. It's not common in y'all's decision to love each other recklessly with abandon. And I want every single 50-year-old couple listening to this show, I want every single 40-year-old couple, 30-year-old couple, mid-20s-year-old couple, I want you to get into the mindset of establishing desire. Romeo and Juliet lied to you. That's not real. That was two teenagers throwing a temper tantrum that ended up in a murder-suicide thing. It was, it's stupid. It's not real. What's real is, is cultivating desire, cultivating mystery, cultivating a spirit of, I refuse to have anything less than a, just a rambunctious, extraordinary sex life with my husband and my wife. I just don't. And so what do we have to do to get there? And for, that looks different for every single couple. Anyone who tells you like, well, you should be a idiots. You work it out together. Y'all build this together. So Jack, I love your heart. I was going to tell him to call me back. You don't need to call me back, Jack. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm curious on all uh, 50 different levels. Don't call me back on this one. I love you, and I'm so glad dude, I got to talk to you today, brother. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Be honest. How often do you find yourself pausing in the middle of a day 
and it feels like there is so much going on. And you find yourself wondering, what would I do with just a spare hour or 30 minutes? Can you even imagine? And it's in these moments that we often realize we're living someone else's life. Everyone else's schedules, priorities, and emergencies are driving our lives, and we can't keep carrying this load for everyone and everything. And it's in these moments when it feels like too much or when you need some help parsing through all the chaos that talking to a professional therapist can be a game changer. Therapy can be a place to work through the challenges you have with boundaries, time, commitments, and your own self-worth. And that can be in relationships with your friends, people at work, your significant other, or even how you can make and keep commitments with yourself. Therapy can be amazing for figuring out what even makes you happy anymore and how to go make it happen. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, try BetterHelp. Because therapy isn't just for people who've experienced trauma. It's great for building skills so you can be the best version of yourself. BetterHelp is completely online, so it's flexible enough to fit your schedule. Just fill out a short questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no extra cost. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Deloney today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Deloney. All right, let's go to Joseph in Cleveland, Ohio. What's up, brother Joseph? How are we doing? Good. How are you doing, Dr. John? You know what? I was going to come up with something clever. I don't have a clever thing. So I'll just say I'm doing pretty good, man. <laughs> I, I, man, it, sometimes you just jump and then there's no water in the pool. That's just what happened right then. So what's up, man? I feel that. Um, okay. <laughs> I, I, I feel been... that. Awesome. I, I can already tell it's going to be a fun call. So what's up? <laughs> um, I've been having some really, really reoccurring, annoying dreams regarding myself and my mother-in-law. Okay. Um, more of an intimate personal relationship kind of dream, you know? Yeah. Awkward. Makes it awkward, you know? I can, I'm not going to imagine it, but I'll take your word for it. How about that? Yeah. Yeah, that works. (laughs) Um, It's gotten so, like, frequent that the point that, like, even when I'm trying to, like, you know, not be there mentally in uh, when I'm awake and around my family and it's just frustrating because it's like, I've talked with my wife about it. She's cool because it's like, it's a dream. It's not like you're doing anything. So you, Hey, hold on. All, all things just stopped. Every digital like zero and one just stopped turning just now. You told your wife about this. How'd that go? It was awkward, but my wife and I have a better relationship <laughs> that are like, Hey, listen, that may be the understatement of planet earth. Like I, <laughs> I, I mean, it was awkward. Yeah, no, I know this is nothing. It was more awkward for me because, like, her mom is one of those people that, like, her friends in high school would make comments to her about her mom. So it's like she's beautiful. She has grown up. Yes. Okay, and so your your wife has had to deal with this forever, right? Yes. Okay. And I wasn't weird when I said anything to my wife about it. Like, she completely understood. She's like, "You're not the first guy that." have a dream and it just so happens to be like about my mom hey hold on like you're being for real that's a real conversation y'all had yeah and she was just like cool man she was like hey it's it's just a dream you can't control what you dream about as frustrating as it is and as real as it is it's not real but like listen i don't know what you i don't know what you did in another life 
But you married so well, every day of your life, you should get down on both knees and just be like, thanks, man. Yep. All and right. she, like, my wife is an angel on earth, and she's yep. 37 weeks pregnant. And, and she's 37 weeks pregnant? Yes, sir. Wow. Okay. So, uh-huh. um, man, we're not even talking about the dream. I just can't even believe, one, you're brave, and you're, like, one of the core principles of the show, man, is that secrets destroy relationships. And yeah. right when you told me that, I thought, oh, my gosh, man, just the tension <laughs> that would be in your home. You had enough courage to, to say that, and you may have had enough courage to say that because um, it sounds like your wife is a just a really remarkable human being. So, um, yeah. when you say recurring, they're happening, how often are these dreams happening? Probably once every other week. Okay. And how often are you in proximity to your mother-in-law? Pretty frequent. Like, we go to the same church. We have dinner with them at least once a week. Like, okay. We're very close to my wife's parents. Okay. And so it keeps happening, and you're now starting to feel awkward in the real world. Yeah, because, like, I'm I'm about to be a dad to a daughter, and I am just, like, it's awkward for my own mental space because my brain is just like, yep. oh, hey, remember that dream that happened last night? And I'm like, I would really like to not think about that over Thanksgiving dinner right now. Thank you. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Everyone in the United States just nodded their head and they were like, yeah, I could pretty much see that. Yeah. We're all yep. with you on, on this one, Joseph. All right. Perfect. So is this dream a replay? Is it essentially the same um, narrative every time? Is it different? Don't get gratuitous, man. I, I, I don't want that stuff in my no, head. No. But walk me, walk <laughs> no, me through. Different scenario, same end result. Okay. All right. So here's the thing. Good for you and your wife. Sex dreams are almost never about sex. They are intimate dreams are almost never about intimacy. They're about, I mean, they can be about a million different things, but they're often about being accepted, being deemed worthy, being deemed up to, you know, that you've got a valued place here. And so Mm -hmm. what is your relationship like with your mother-in-law? Fantastic. Okay. Like she has said, she's made comments to my wife that she thinks of me like her own kid. Um, we're very close. And like, she talks to me and my wife a lot about stuff going on in her own personal life and not nothing like too in detail, just like she talks with us and we have open conversations and it's, uh, yeah. So there's no hierarchy. There's no rule. You're not walking around feeling like I'm not. I didn't. I didn't. She's disappointed in who you, her daughter married. Everybody's rocking and rolling and feeling great about life. Yeah. Okay. So here's two things. One, um, I'm not a psychologist, and psychologists spend time interpreting dreams. And most people will tell you dream interpretation is voodoo. Right. It's got right. some reality, but usually it's the reality is what how it makes you feel. So that's my question to you. Are you carrying shame around about this? Are you annoyed by it? Are you frustrated by it? Um, do you like it? Like what's going on in your heart and your head here? D all of the above. Okay. That's the best way that I can answer that. Um like everything that I love about my wife, it's she got from her mom. Okay. Um, but she's not your mom. 
no, 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 she's not her mom. Yeah. That's what yeah. I meant. Yeah, no, she's not I her know. mom. Yeah. I I get that. And it's like, it's just unfortunate that like the person that I'm married to has all these great qualities that her mom also has. And it's just like, it's not unfortunate. Well, yeah, wow. I was like, say, why is that unfortunate? It sounds awesome. Hold on. It, it, it's fantastic because they're great people. It's just, I don't want that image of my mother-in-law, you know? Okay. So is, do you want to stop that dream? Yes. Okay. So I'm going to, I know of one thing that is from the, the nightmare research. It's from Dr. Joyner and he's an extraordinary researcher, suicide researcher, but um, he walks through a, a really a clear step-by-step -step path on how to deal with nightmares. And this isn't a nightmare. This may not work. This is the best I've got. And what I would tell you is, in short order, if this doesn't work, you need to go see somebody, um, a psychologist, probably not a therapist, probably a psychologist who is going to walk you through other things about this dream. Here's the challenge for you, is I think you like having this dream. You don't like what it means for you in the real world. Is that fair? Yeah, that's fair. And as long as you like having the dream, man, it's going to recur and it's going to recur, especially if there's no power dynamic. You're going to have to make a decision that I don't want this in my head anymore. Okay. Mm -hmm. I honestly, I don't think you're there yet. I think you're more freaked out by it's kind of weird and it's not super common. You're probably not going to call your buddies and be like, dudes, guess what? You're not going to do that. <laughs> and right. so it's more, you feel like a freak, but you like it. And until you decide, I don't want this, Man, it's going to keep looping back on you. But here's here's the rundown, okay? Um, you have to re-script this, is the way Dr. Joyner calls it. You have to re-script this in writing, okay? So you have to write out the scenario, and then you have to write out an alternative ending. So let's say you are, um, I don't know, you come home to your house, and your mother-in-law's there, and there's nobody else there, and every time you have this dream it always ends with a certain outcome, right? Mm. You're going to re-script this. You're going to see that your mother-in-law's there. You're going to choose to get back in your car, and you're going to leave. And then you're going to go somewhere else. And then when you get home, your mother-in-law's not going to be there anymore. She's not. She's going to quit showing up. And then throughout the day, after you have written this down, you have to run this narrative through your head multiple times. You have to practice it on a regular basis, Okay. He would say you have to retell the new version of the dream throughout the day, okay? And what it does, it it resets your mind. It it, it creates a new path for this dream to head down once that ball gets um, pushed down the hill. Does that make sense? Yeah. Tell me if I'm crazy. I don't think you're going to do that. Like do the writing things out? Yeah. It sounds fantastic, and I would love to not have this dream anymore. I really would. Really? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, get, hey, I'm get, fundamentally a guy, and it's like, I know biologically, great, whoop-de-doo, but like, mentally and where I want to be with my wife, mm -hmm. like, because we want to be pastors, and like, I don't want any crap holding me down, you know? Yes, I do. Um my guess is there's other things here that we can't handle on a show. Have you been to counseling recently? No. 
Why do you laugh at that? No, it. I sorry, we're working through uh, Dave Ramsey's baby steps right now, and it's not in the budget for counseling and stuff. So here's what also is not in the budget: divorce. Here's what also is not in the budget: an absolute train wreck between your mother-in-law and you and a new baby girl and all of the derivative mess that's going to happen. Okay? Mm -hmm. You don't have money not to do this. But my guess is you've got stuff in there that you got to talk about. Is that fair or am I crazy? No, that's probably fair. Okay. So here's the thing. You have a more connected relationship than probably anyone I've ever heard of. You're the first person I, I have ever heard that in my life that would have told their wife what kind of dreams you're having. Okay? So I want to high five to you and high five to your wife. Awesome, awesome, awesome. That's a great foundation to start from. I also think you've got some demons in there. You've got some conversations you need to have with yourself, with your past, with your with your legacy, with your heritage there. It's worth going to spend some time with a counselor. Okay? Especially if you're going to take on a job where your job is to care for other people. The third thing is, man, I want you to try this. I want you to sit down tonight by yourself. You're not going to show this to anybody. And I want you to rewrite this script. Rewrite it. And then for the next week, I want you to fold this piece of paper up, put it in your pocket, and go through it a few times a day. I show up at my house. I walk in. My mother-in-law's there. I say, hey, I'll see you later. You turn around, get back in your car, and you drive away. And then a couple hours later, pull that piece of paper out. When you think about it, read through this script. Make a mental picture of you walk in the house, you turn around and walk away. And do that several times, do that several times, do that several times. And then when you have, if the dream goes away, great. Dr. Joyner's the smartest guy ever, and um, you're healed. And I'm, gonna, I'm probably going to just start a dream show after that. If not... Um, then you're right back where you started. You don't lose anything, right? Um, and then you can have something else to talk about with your counselor. But man, that's a big deal. It's a, it's a big deal. And, and here's the thing. You said it best at the beginning, and I want to make sure everybody hears this. Number one, when it comes to dreams, don't ever feel embarrassed or secretive or weird. Maybe in this case, right? I was going to say, never have secrets. I mean... If you're dreaming about your mother-in-law or your father-in-law, maybe hang on to that one yourself. Maybe don't bring that home and just be like, hey, everybody. Um, I would probably say in my house, I'm having some really disturbing dreams that I don't want to talk about, but they're really making me uncomfortable. And um, I may go talk to somebody about it because they keep showing up and they're happening every other week, every other week, every other week. If you're, one of the most common things I, I hear is, hey, my wife had a, uh, a dream, an intimate dream about an old boyfriend or had an intimate dream about somebody at work or something, man, be as hard as it's going to be, be curious, not judgmental, right? That doesn't mean she wants to cheat on you. That doesn't mean she's dreaming about her ex-boyfriend. I mean, she's literally dreaming about her ex-boyfriend, but that doesn't mean that she's pining away for her ex-boyfriend, right? And vice versa. It's almost never about that person, right? But sitting on them creates secrets, which create division, which creates da-da-da-da-da. Then you find out that you are way far apart from one another, way down um, opposite roads. But man, hey, I want you to, Joseph, I want you to try this and let me know how it goes. Um, man, we'll be, I'll be thinking about this one for a minute, man.
Hey, what's up? Deloney here. Listen, you and me and everybody else on the planet has felt anxious or burned out or chronically stressed at some point. In my new book, Building a Non-Anxious Life, you'll learn the six daily choices that you can make to get rid of your anxious feelings and be able to better respond to whatever life throws at you so you can build a more peaceful, non-anxious life. Get your copy today at johndeloney.com. All right, so that was Greatest Hits, volume, I don't know, 33, volume one. Kelly's saying volume one. Volume one. I think it's Greatest Hits, volume six. For you OG17s and all you new listeners, thank you so much for being with us. I'm going to end today with Kelly's favorite song, the song that she sings to me after we're off air. Actually, she calls my answering machine regularly, and it's super weird. My phone answering machine. What do you call it? Voicemail. Voicemail. Good gosh. Okay. God, you're old. (laughs) This is a 1980, man. I say, you can leave a message after the beep, and it goes beep, and I hear this, John, did you ever know that you're my hero? You're everything that I'd like to be. John, I can fly higher than an eagle. Because you you are the wind beneath my wing. Every day, y'all. Every day. Love you guys. See ya.